0: Arizona Sports, the
1: local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's
0: the greatest show on earth.
1: Bickley and Murata. Good morning.
0: Welcome. Welcome. Dan Bickley, sports
1: Never, man, sports yes. Vince Marada. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Marada, spectacular. spectacular.
2: This is the
0: greatest Bickley and Marada. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history
3: of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley
0: and Marada.
2: I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Wednesday, Valley Sports fans. I'm guessing not a lot of shenanigans today. Lots of heavy lifting today. Lots of drama. Lots of contention. Lots of controversy to deal with. But enough of the Masters Champions dinner last night.
1: Yo! (laughs) Anybody fight? Anybody get punched uh, in the face? Word
2: is, word is, Phil Mickelson didn't say a word the entire evening. Really? Didn't he didn't say the whole time. a well, yeah. <laughs> 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 Sliders to be hey, hey, Come on, you, you've seen Phil lately? Yeah, I Have know you seen this guy, Jared? I know, he's
1: not Very as pillowy spelt. as he used to be. Very svelte. Uh, tortilla
2: no, soup wasn't going to eat itself. No, of it course not, Jared.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah but, uh, but apparently he just kind of really went into sheepish mode.
1: Hmm. Focused on the task at hand. And getting is, through
2: this night alive. Is that the <laughs> task at hand? Not getting into, not throwing hands with Tiger? Winning Finishing. the
1: Masters Championship. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she better
2: than 400th in the world right now or wherever uh, yeah, he is. No, range. you're right, sir. You're right on the money. 450th. 398. Ooh. I think 398, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and can I say one last thing before we start today's show? Because we do have a ton to get into. I, I just saw this and I need to get this off my chest. I saw a link in a story that said Leonard Skinnered. Which a band that often shows up in mustache, not mm-hmm. a mustache, did so again yesterday.
1: Yep. Okay, pretty much every week, right? So they I'm are. Co- <laughs> I'm a little sore about mustache.
2: <laughs> they I tell. they sure, are continuing agenda. to tour despite having zero original members. Don't you think a band must be retired if it's down to zero
1: original members? I don't know. Members? As, a, as a huge fan of Menudo, I would say <laughs> no. That's funny, though. Wow. So neither Leonard nor that. Skinner did it <laughs> no, no, Oh, neither one
2: of them. I'm sorry. It's apropos of nothing. I just find it to be so yeah, tacky. Yeah,
1: you bring up a pretty good point. I mean, there's so much money to be made. And I got that reminder, and you probably got the reminder when you were at the, the Greta Van Fleet Show in mm-hmm. Tucson, but... When I considered the ticket prices, the fact that the show that I was at last week had 19,000 fans, the merch line was wrapped around the building, and they're charging $50 for a t shirt. Why would you ever Ah, tell was that show, by the way.
2: It's so great. Before before he answers that, no, but before he answers (laughs) that, I want to double up on this because he's right on the money about this. Secondary tickets have become a big time issue in this country. Yes.
1: Robert Smith from The Cure is like on a one man crusade to cut it out. He's actually doing like. Humanitarian <laughs> yeah, work for, yeah. for France. Canceled
2: well, tickets purchased by people who who use them to resell them. Yeah. So
1: Robert Smith is the only one that's stumping for
2: Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, Jared, How often have you been in the secondary market for concert tickets lately? Do you no, know, what, I, we're, you know what we're
1: talking about? I know, it I is know, insane. It's so how do you do it? You can't buy it from Ticketmaster. You can't buy it from the secondary market it's it's tough but uh if it's no original members in a band doesn't that make that a cover band then they're just playing the music Pretty from much. different people. You're right. It's like a tribute band. Yeah, A tribute band. Cover you know.
2: bands are the worst. Now, t- t- go no, <laughs> ahead. Yeah. They're the absolute worst. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about tacky. Tacky, t- stupid, Ugh. hacky. Yeah. yeah. How about the haircuts? <laughs> I <they're> all <laughs> I,
1: I like them. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: there's a difference between tribute and cover bands. Tribute yes, bands yes. you would be in because you would dress up and try to That's, look like the And person. I'd have some kind of
1: punny name yeah, for yeah. the band. Right. And that right, was a point right. that was driven home in the Mark Wahlberg tour-de-force rock star. Like, <laughs> we're a
4: cover band. No, we're a tribute band. Right, right. Say hi to your
3: mother for right. me. Okay, yeah.
2: so, so, so go ahead and tell Ferret about, uh, about the concert he has no interest in.
0: No, the about Jared. Start the show, Jared. The, show, Jared. <laughs>
2: the
0: Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. The Splash. The splash brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one
1: pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Jared, I'll say this: I'd love the show, but it was no Monday Night Raw.
4: uh, (laughs) Was George Kittle at your concert?
1: No, I don't think so. He was at WrestleMania. Uh, Former Cardinals VP of player personnel Terry McDonough filed an arbitration claim that accuses owner Michael Bidwell of gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment per ESPN's Adam Schefter. McDonough claims that he and then-head coach Steve Wilkes were instructed to use burner phones to communicate with then-GM Steve Keim during his DUI suspension 2018 uh, through a statement from, ex- and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg, through a statement uh, from external PR advisor Jim McCarthy, the Cardinals say the claims in the arbitration filing are, quote, wildly false, reckless, and an opportunistic ploy for financial gain, end quote. Hey, look which at is
2: why Which is why the team has hired an outside advisor who had a point-by-point statement ready to go the minute the news dropped. Right. Yeah, Spaceless. it's almost like they, yeah, they had this right. coming.
1: Got it. They, they knew it was coming. Uh, the Cardinals also made a free agent signing yesterday. Offensive lineman Elijah Wilkinson signed with the team. He spent twenty twenty two with the Atlanta Falcons. He started nine games at left guard. Season cut short by a knee injury, but uh, Wilkinson was graded as the 34th best guard out of 77 by Pro Football Focus That's last good. year. That's good. 28 years old, entered the league in 2017 as an undrafted rookie out of UMass. What they call a headline-stealing move. It's like, ooh, we need a distraction. We need a shiny object. (laughs) We need an Isaiah Wilkinson. Or Elijah. Elijah. Elijah, him (laughs) too. Wrong biblical name. that
2: effective? (laughs) (laughs) uh... Come on, Jared. We got satyrs to go
1: to tomorrow. (laughs) Jedediah
4: Wilkinson. Tonight.
1: tonight. Is it tonight? Tonight and tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow, but Uh, okay. Uh, The Suns are in the playoffs. We can officially say that as they beat the San Antonio Spurs 115-94 at Footprint Center. They marched out to a 31-point lead midway through the second. San Antonio playing without most of its regulars, whittled it down to nine in the third quarter, but the Suns were able to pull away once again. Devin Booker led the way with 27 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Chris Paul had 22, the most points he's had since scoring 31 against the Spurs back on January 28th. DeAndre Ayton had uh, 19 and 11. Kevin Durant, 18 points in an off shooting night and a great game from Torrey Craig. Suns also officially locked into the fourth spot in the West, regardless of what happens with them or the rest of the league over the next five nights. Suns back at it Thursday night when the Denver Nuggets come to town for their final very league. interesting,
2: yeah. So, so there's your answer. So they only needed to win last night to, to lock up the four seeds. It'll be real interesting to see how they play this thing going forward. Yeah,
1: uh, because
2: so props to them. It was an it was a weird game last night. I know a lot of people might want to fixate on that blown lead. Uh, to me, they showed everything that makes this this winning
1: formula look so effortless. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. I will have a lot more in the Suns game tonight and the uh, road ahead for the Suns last night in the NBA. Minnesota got a big road win in Brooklyn, 107-102 over the Nets. Speaking of Denver, they got Nikola Jokic back. They went on the road, and they got blown out by the woeful Houston Rockets, 124-103, to and their coach, Michael Malone, called him soft. Memphis beat Portland, 119-109. Desmond Bain pumped in 30. Sacramento went on the road, crushed New Orleans, 121-103. to Joel Embiid may have locked up the MVP award with 52, and Philly's 103-101 win over the Boston Celtics. The Lakers needed to go overtime to upend the Jazz in Salt Lake City, 135-133, to LeBron. Ron James had 37, and Steph Curry and Jordan Poole combined for 64 points in the Warriors' 136-125 to 125 win over Oklahoma City. So that means now the Warriors have surged a half game ahead of the Clippers and Lakers for 5th in the West. New Orleans clinging to 8th by a half game over Minnesota with Oklahoma City holding on to 10th. In the final play in spot but just a half game over Dallas and a uh, game and a half over Utah. It's yeah, it's kind of shit. Yeah,
2: it's it's very murky and you've got a Lakers Clippers game tonight that uh what are the how are the Lakers going to approach this? Again, when you start doing this dance around who wants the 3 versus 6, who wants the 4 versus 5, mm-hmm. can you even mess around with it? Uh, it's
1: fascinating. It is.
2: Suns are in a great place. They they're already are. to be locked into where they're
1: going to be. D-backs looked like they were on their way to a wrong end of a sweep yesterday in San Diego and Xander Bogarts connected on a two-run home run off Zach Gallen in the fifth inning to put the Padres up 5-1. But the D-backs rallied. They got three in the sixth, two-run double by Geraldo Perdomo and an RBI single by Josh Rojas. They'd had four more in the eighth as they ran wild with four stolen bases and they walked away with an 8-6 win at Petco Park. Perdomo, three runs batted in. Rojas had three hits, drove in two in the leadoff spot. Dre Jameson worked the ninth for his first Major League save. D-backs off today will host the Dodgers in uh, their 2023 home opener. Thursday night at Chase Field. Uh, ASU Men's Hoops picks up a new player in the transfer portal. Louisville forward Kamari Lands will join uh, the Sun Devils for the 23 24 season. Six foot eight played in 32 games at Louisville last year. Averaged just under six points, but uh, played his prep ball in Phoenix at Hillcrest Academy. Averaged 33 points per game as a senior. An international soccer star, Lionel Messi, reportedly 50 50 on resuming his career in Saudi Arabia. Oh, His current contract with PSG in France runs out this summer. Hey, somebody offers you $350 million a year to kick a ball. Remember, wasn't it rumored he was going to go to Miami and the... Major league soccer. Yeah, apparently, the money is a lot different in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a tad for. bit. Oh, there you go. There is your splash for Wednesday, April 5th. Coming up next, yeah, we'll hit on more of the details of that Suns win over the Spurs. They are locked into number four. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. And handling it will be Blake Wesley out on top. And they get it over on the side. Three-pointer will not go. That was put up by Champeny. Lindell with the rebound. And the Suns come away with a victory here tonight. 115-94. to The Suns get the win.
1: Not only do they get the win, Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer, on the final call, they uh, clinch a playoff spot and are now cemented into. uh, That's a different word than (laughs) ensconced. Same thing. We'll go. We'll go cemented. Okay, Uh, cemented in the number four seed in the Western Conference with three games to play. Um, And we touched on it in the in the splash pick. It was a win that had a little bit of everything. It had just a remarkable shooting performance mm-hmm. to start the game and it looked like it was going to be one of those record setting games where mm-hmm. the Suns just ran away and won by maybe 60 points 40 yeah, yeah. something like that yep. they get up by 31 in the first 18 yeah. minutes of the game and you know it's the NBA the, right. the other guys on the other team despite the fact that you probably needed to look at the roster quite uh, frequently to remind you of their names because I know I did uh, <laughs> yeah. No San Antonio I, played hard. They got it down to nine and then the Suns took care of business.
2: Again. Exactly. Yeah. That and we've seen we've seen games like that early on uh with the flip with the script flipped entirely back at the lowest moments of the seasons. The Suns would have those games where they were down forty, rallied, made it look respectable, then ended up losing. Those are not close games. Those are not games that you blow a big lead. That's life in the NBA. I thought uh I thought a couple things. I thought the focus the Suns showed in the first quarter coming out the way they did. It is very good it, it showed that they're very locked in and, and i think that's that's the effect of having kd and, and, and the awareness of of what it all means and where it's all going um the landry shamit over campaign thing interesting. very interesting to me last night could we be possibly looking at a philosophical shift in what monty williams wants off the bench A little bigger guy, a better defender. I I, I don't know whether that was a one-off as in let's give it a roll and see what it looks like or if they're actually thinking about
1: it. Here was uh, Monty Williams on that subject, why Payne got the DNP. No, he's fine. Um, It's just a
0: a decision that I made to try to do something else with that second group, Um, defensively having bigger guys out there. The other part is putting the ball in Book's hands a little bit and letting him you know, play point and, and orchestrate. So it's just something that we're
1: looking at? Uh, interesting still. Focusing on the size, the defensive Uh ability of Landry Uh Shamit. I will say this: I don't think Landry Shamit did anything last night in his time on the court to wrestle away minutes, uh, you know, completely from from campaign going forward. Because campaign, and we've seen it recently, and we've seen it in the past. He can be that guy that turns the game emotionally for the Phoenix Suns, and he can be a spark plug offensively. I still think Landry Shamit at this point of the season is is playing with a real lack of offensive confidence oh for four in 13 minutes so
2: so if this was just sort of okay we're playing san antonio and we know we're gonna win this game let's try something different if it's that kind of thing then maybe maybe i'm looking at it wrong i i just wonder if they're looking at this and doing hard calculus about possessions and the value of a backup point guard and hey you know what maybe we should let book handle this more. Look, you're going to see that in the playoffs, and it, you're going to see that organically during the playoffs. The thing I worry about is, I, I hope it's not an internal decision because, man, Devin Booker's in a really good place right now. The mm-hmm. last thing I want to do is add more onto his plate. Although he's always shown the ability to handle this kind of stuff, if if they're if they're thinking that you know what, the calculus works better for us. To, to limit the exposure that guys like Landry, Shamit, and Campaign give us on nights when it's not working, then that's quite something. Now, now you are really. Now you're really drilling down to what you need to win a championship, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if you're having these kind of conversations. Or this just might have been a game against the Spurs, yeah, that they knew was
1: going to be in the bag anyway. An opportunity to tinker, experiment a little bit, that might have been it. Now, I'm not sure Monty Williams would go as far as to say that, um, you know, because of lack, you know, come off his lack of respect for your opponent. And, it's you not know, like and with Popovich and everything. Steve Kerr let his t- uh, players coach the no, that, team. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. When the that was, Suns were terrible. I remember that.
3: Handed over the clipboard Clay. and everything. Yeah. Here, Clay, draw <laughs> Here Uh, Uh,
1: The tone was set, in my opinion, in the first quarter, and, and the Suns played really well offensively, but but it was set by Chris Paul, who came out and he hit three three-pointers, and if you go back to Sunday's game in Oklahoma City, Chris Paul had said, I'm kind of mad at myself for passing up open threes because I'm still getting used to it. He got a bunch of open threes, and he knocked them all down. He hit his first four in the first half, and uh, talked about that after the game, being willing to shoot more. A lot of times I catch myself trying to find them, but knowing that I have a ball just about every possession. I dribble the ball
0: up the court. I feel like I can get a shot whenever. But I'm always looking for them, but Of course, seeing the way that they guard K and doubling and trapping and all that, I'm going to definitely have to shoot more.
1: Yeah, Devin Booker talked about the aggressiveness of Chris Paul and how uh, that changes things for the Suns. Yeah, we
0: want him as aggressive as possible. Um, And he understands that. I think it's just something that he's not completely used to.
1: people helping off him at sometimes and him getting overlooked. I think he's always been in the position where he had to make plays for everybody on the court. So, you know, it's going to take a
0: little adjusting, but, you know, it's always... You're always in a good spot if you're looking for a Hall of Famer to be more aggressive.
1: Yeah, it's a one-game sample from Chris Paul. It's the first time that he scored over 20 points in a game since late January. Mm-hmm. But it was very reassuring to see because now yeah. we know with Kevin Durant in the flow and in the mix, those opportunities will be presented to Chris Paul more when he's confident and shoots those in rhythm. He's a hell of a shooter.
2: Yeah, and you wonder what he really thinks about all this. You wonder if he partially feels disrespected that nobody's on me. Like, what, what are you doing? Do you not know who I am? He has gotten, listen, and I think this is something that is one of the major takeaways of, of Kevin Durant, what he's done for the spacing of this basketball team. I mean, Chris Paul is, is getting wide open looks. Yeah, wide open. Wide open looks. Yeah, it's it's uh, this is the effect of putting great basketball players on a court together. When it works, it can make the game look so easy. And that's what that's the look right now.
1: Yeah. What Why we're, are they waiting for so long just to get some great basketball players? I know, right? All yeah, right. Why did it it's took so 55 to years to do this? <laughs> but I will say this, we've gone this long, and we haven't said the name yet. The player of the game for the Phoenix Suns was Torrey Craig. He was amazing last yeah, night. Yeah, hey, listen, I, you could tell it
2: was one of those nights for him when he got clocked and on the defensive end of the floor, ran back down late to join the play, and yeah. then ends up getting an offensive rebound, tip and dunk. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he was. He, that was a good night. Torrey Craig's good nights are always very, very good. You feel very happy about Torrey Craig because yeah. because he's just so active. People talk about his activity, yeah. his
1: versatility, his ability to hit shots. Sometimes he's a Toughness. good offensive rebounder. By the way, he's got the best chin in the NBA. Okay. That guy and gets hit in the face. Yeah. At least once a night. Uh, you got some kudos from Monty Williams. I thought Tory. His energy and effort tonight, like bailed
0: us out of it. You know, to have a double double in the way he played, the defense that he played, I thought it it gave us a lot of juice. And um, I thought Ish was also in that. He didn't score, but the defense and the the attitude and intensity that those two brought um, helped us in the when we were kind of reeling for some
1: juice tonight. And I thought Bismack Biyombo contributed there as well as he usually does when he gets <clears> extended minutes. The rest of the bench.
2: They, uh, no, yeah, right, right. I, uh, one of the other good takeaways, and again, just, it's just the Spurs, but if, but if you were looking at a team that was trying to create a postseason template, the idea of getting, uh, DA involved early, DA had some daffy moments last night when he could have dunked and didn't, the typical stuff, but he also shot seven free throws. Yeah. And which is that's, a lot for him. That's a lot for him. And he made all, all seven free throws. Yep. And so that, that's a good, that's a good deal right there. It, that's, that's, you know, that's that's beginning to deploy him
1: in smart, useful ways. Yeah, we will have a lot more on the Suns, their victory, their number 4 seed, and the path ahead for them on today's show. Uh, you can also text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, what a rally for the D-backs in San Diego yesterday to earn a split. We'll hit it in D-backs Daily next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports,
0: the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs Daily. Daily. Brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call texter chat
1: 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Afternoon baseball. played a chilly Petco Park in San Diego. And we got some early fireworks, Bick. and Fire. Manny Machado becomes the answer to a trivia question he doesn't want to be the answer to. That's a strike. Machado just used his second timeout. And the at-bat
3: is over. Right when he got into the ball. Before the A-B started, he asked for time. Now he uses his second. You can't do that. Automatic strike. And the inning is over. One, two, three. Go the Padres in the first. We go to the second. It's the Diamondbacks nothing and the Padres nothing. And Bob Melvin's been ejected. Oh, my goodness. An ejection for Bob Melvin. Because I guess he's arguing technically strikes. I believe Manny Machado has been ejected from this game. Bob Melvin, we thought, was the one who was ejected. He was talking to the home plate umpire... And then the ejection sign was given, but I
1: can see Bomell... Right there at the bottom steps of the dugout. Uh, not for nothing, and this is not Chris Garagiola's fault. But Bomell is the worst nickname in all of. Yeah, place. I'm not a big fan of it either. <laughs> uh, but Manny Machado, did you see the defiance he had in the box? He's standing Listen, in the box. You know, I watched it live, yeah. I, uh,
2: and I enjoyed every moment of it because it was that you just used the perfect word. It, it was defiance. Like, Manny, I'm Machado Manny Machado was. Like, these rules
1: don't apply to they me. They don't
2: apply. You could tell because this guy's had a big issue with it from day if one. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he also
1: the first one in spring training? This yes, around. he was. Yeah. Yes,
2: he was. So, I, But the way he stood in there, it was almost like, I'm going to take my time here. And and for them to ring him up, I, it was a moment of utter bliss for me.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, so later fireworks in the second inning, uh, San Diego gets a run. Then uh, Nelson Cruz homers in the second, in the fourth, and it's two nothing. They add another run in the third, f- uh, three nothing. Diamondbacks would get a single run in the fifth, and then Bogarts homer five one in the fifth, and that's where the fun started for the uh, Diamondbacks. And getting that uh, fun started, uh, Her- Geraldo Perdomo.
3: 2-2. Swung on. That's hit in the air to right. Dahl a late break. Dives doesn't make the catch. It's off his glove and down. One run is in. Thomas waved around third. Throw to the plate. Is not in time. Two-run score.
1: Yeah, uh, two-run score there, 5-3. Then Josh Rojas would add a single to make it 5-4, and we got ourselves a ball game. In the eighth inning, we saw what we will see probably from the Diamondbacks for the uh, remainder of the season based on their style of play. And it was Geraldo uh, Geraldo Perdomo again using a bunt to tie things up. One away, and Garcia's 2-1. He's a
3: bunt to first. McCarthy coming home. He's going to score. It's bubbled by the first baseman, Carpenter, and everybody's safe. Yeah, later on, Jose Herrera would break the tie. Jose Herrera behind in the count, 0-1. And now the pitch. Swung on. That's a flare, shallow center, and that ball's going to drop in front of Grisham. Perdomo got a great read. He coasts home, and Arizona now in front. It is six to
1: 6-5. Yeah, 6-5. Lourdes Goriel, sack fly. Would make it 7-5, and then later on, you see this all the time in Major League Baseball, don't you? Double oh, yeah. steal. 1-1. One, one. Marte breaks. The pitch is inside. Now it's a rundown.
3: Coming home is Rojas. He is safe. They try and cut him down at the plate, and Rojas is in. Marte to second, and it's
1: 8-5. Uh, the uh, Padres would get a run in the ninth on a Trent Grisham Before home run you move up. on, incredible slide from Josh Rojas on that play. It was. Incredible. In kind of midair, just yes. sneaking his hand around yes. the catcher, who was probably blocking the plate there, too. Great slide, great game for Josh Rojas. Diamondbacks win it 8-6. So let's focus on that eighth inning. They stole four bases in the inning. And look, we're only six games into the season, Bick. The Diamondbacks in those six games have four Mm -hmm. home runs they have nine stolen bases which is second in Major League Baseball and first in the National League, this is your recipe: is using your speed, creating havoc, uh, and they did it again yesterday. Death
2: by paper cuts. Yes, that's kind of what this baseball team is. Yeah, and, and you called for it. You said this offense has kind of get got to get going a little bit here. The 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 lower quadrant of their lineup yesterday certainly produced. Yes, uh, Josh Rojas, who came into the game struggling, but hit leadoff. off. Uh, he responded well. Yeah, this is uh, this is a good game for this team to come home three and three. I I think is a nice little perceptual victory for them. Yep, Josh Rojas uh, said the same
1: thing. Two series splits um, against some really good teams in this division, and we'll take that. Yep, and Tori Lavello talked about the, using that speed element to win games. We're a good team. We're athletic, and we're going to exploit things that we're supposed to. Uh, you know, these are these are little things that we talked about all spring training long. Uh, we didn't necessarily execute it that much during camp, um, but you can see what we're trying to do. And um, for me, that that four-run eighth inning was built around the distraction. What we're, uh, to the picture of what we're trying to do on the bases and then we cashed in with some big base hits. Jake McCarthy had a highlight play uh, you know, in foul territory. Unbelievable. Just giving up his body and watching yes. himself over the wall to make a catch to end an inning. Uh, those are the things that the D-backs are going to do. Yes. Those are the ingredients they're going to have to use to win games.
2: Yeah, because then you create you create not only a brand, you create a feistiness, you create an energy and that's what I think is coming off this year's Diamondbacks team is a certain energy uh, um, that Jake McCarthy catch in right field, the, the courage, the huevos <laughs> that he showed, mm-hmm. going head over, backside, over a
1: fence. And then getting up and running off the field with a giant yeah. smile on yeah. his face. <laughs> and then his backside <laughs> went over his head. That was, right. your reminder right. of, it did. that was your reminder of Jake McCarthy is a football player at heart.
2: That's very true. That's yeah. very true. So. And then and the, then the, the activity on the base paths. The, they have nine we, stolen
1: bases yeah. already this season. Is
2: that right? Okay, and and we heard going in, you know, during the optimism of spring training, everybody is going to win the World Series. Everything is unicorns and sunshine. We all know that. But but quite frequently, the common refrain was, "This team, by happenstance or not, is perfectly suited for the moment." with major league baseball trying the rule to changes. Yeah. yeah, the rules changes, especially the bases. I, I don't think there's a team in Major League Baseball that's playing the expanded base game better than the Diamondbacks right now.
1: Baltimore Orioles are doing a really be. good job. Yeah. They, they've they might got eleven be. stolen bases yeah. right now. But I, I looked at that, you know, team ranks and and how things are going and everybody talked about oh expanded bases and these rules and limited throws over it's gonna make things a lot better for the base runner and, and you see teams that just maybe not, aren't subscribing to that yet. There's three teams so far that don't have a stolen base. Detroit, Minnesota, and Washington. And then you see on the other end of the spectrum teams that are still playing bashball uh, The Orioles are doing both. They've got 11 home runs, second most in Major League Baseball, and the most stolen bases. The wow. Dodgers have 13 home runs and one stolen base. Uh-huh. So there's calling cards well, that each team has, and I think it's really interesting early in the season to see teams cling to those or well, subscribe to he, those really really fast. I agree with you. I, I don't know so who, who have the Orioles played first couple series? They played Boston.
2: Okay, um, I don't know who they're playing. And now. Texas and Texas. Yeah. All right. So I, I think what you have to add the degree of difficulty into the equation when you talk about the, what the Diamondbacks have been able to do and the way they've been able to manufacture runs. They come home with a three and three record against two very good baseball teams, very expensive baseball teams, and they've done it via the paper cut. Then there isn't really other than what Evan Longoria and and Kyle Lewis have done with late game. Home run, dramatics, and Corbin Carroll the other night. This has really been about piecing together, creating offense, manufacturing runs, and they've done that to a three and three record against the two best teams in the National League West. And by without the way, really having a vibe yet
1: offensively. Yeah, I don't even want to bring it up. I don't want to end the segment on the down note, but Zach Gallen, any concern? Two, two pretty bad starts no uh, he wasn't great again yesterday and and got bailed out and that you know had he taken the loss yesterday that would have been the first time he started his a season in his career with, mm-hmm. with two straight losses i he's too good he, i think he'll be fine
2: what did you so and and so what did you think of the manny machado play in the game because that was the big talking point nationally to come out of this game It was like oh wow Look at that. They threw out the – somebody clapped back at me at Twitter like, oh, yeah, people don't pay money to see the umpires. Oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't pay a cent to see Manny Machado play. There you
1: go. And, and well, that was one of the things. We talked about it. He just had this defiance, Ugh. and Manny Machado plays the game of baseball with a great deal of defiance and how he does things, and he does them his own way, and he's a very talented player. hmm but if you extrapolate from that, and I think we saw it in two games, and I think Padres fans expressed this in their first series over the weekend, there is so much pressure on that team because of the money they've spent. It is team hot dog, by the way. They've got a <laughs> lot of it going on. Yeah, they do. But when anything goes wrong, those Padres fans are turning on them. You, Darvish, wasn't great yesterday. Uh, you know, if somebody makes a play where yeah, the Bluebirds are out in San Diego, which. Good for them. They have a lot at stake because of the money they've spent and the expectations on that team. But it seems like it's a high wire act right now, and I don't know if they're dealing with it very well to begin the season. Yeah, no, it, it's so
2: I would agree with all of that, and I think that pressure thing is is something that is attached to them. There's uh, and there's reasons for that. They've got a weird, um, volatile, fun. Successful lineup roster, it, it, but it could also implode on them, and we've kind of seen that. So, so props to the D backs for getting home in the position they are. I think I think the Zach Gallon thing is kind of significant, especially given the way he ended last season when he was basically with every start pushing himself closer and closer to the Cy Young conversation. Yeah, yeah, but but not today. Today, I think this is. Yesterday was a really good hair on fire kind of win that has allowed this team to surprise two heavyweights in the division and the first two series
1: and how about that too we have the discussion on what do you do at the closer position do you use Dre Jamison and we're both like no you don't use Dre Jamison he gets a two inning save he wasn't that great he allowed a lot of base runners gave up a home run he had a cushion a three-run cushion. A win is a win. A win is a win. For, the yeah, I know. I'm too negative. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering what the plan will be forward when the Diamondbacks have a lead they need to preserve. Uh, D-backs off today, home against the Dodgers tomorrow. Coming up next, hey, look, Bick, another story about the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, It doesn't paint them in a oh positive boy. light. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona
0: Sports, the local sports leader.
4: The former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough filed an arbitration claim today to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, alleging and accusing the Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell of cheating, discrimination, and harassment. It's a long, detailed petition in which he spells out all the ways in which he believes Michael Bidwell has done wrong, including using burner phones during the suspension of the former Cardinals General Manager Steve Kahn during his suspension in which McDonough claims that Bidwell hatched a plan for all of them to communicate during Kahn's suspension. Now, Michael Bidwell is countered by saying those Claims are baseless by questioning Terry McDonough's character and obviously questioning everything that he raised today. Now, the arbitration claim went to Commissioner Goodell. The Cardinals have 20 days to respond. To that petition that Terry McDonough submitted, and then Roger Goodell has the right to an arbitration hearing in which he could determine whether or not discipline is necessary in this particular case.
1: Adam Schefter who broke the story yesterday from ESPN on the allegations made by Terry McDonough, former Cardinals VP of player personnel, toward Michael Bidwell and the organization. Um, this is here's a Here's a shocking blanket statement, pick. This is ugliness going back and forth on both sides. Yeah. What Terry McDonough's is yeah. alleging the Cardinals are doing mm-hmm. is pretty bad. The Cardinals' response, and you heard Adam Schefter use the phrase questioning the character of Terry McDonough, it went past, their response went past questioning his character. It, it got to the point where people thought it was playing pretty
2: dirty. Yes. Uh, so uh, let, let's start here with the the hammerhead high, high Headline: Michael Bidwill, Arizona Cardinals, embark on a, a ploy of cheating. All right, that that was one of the headlines I saw yesterday, uh, relative to the burner phone. Now, at, at at baseline, let's just say that this is another terrible look for the franchise. Okay. Once again, now this what should be a honeymoon time for Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ostenford is once again dominated by this dysfunction. This is the second football lifer who has now left the Cardinals on very very bad terms, following Sean. Kugler, who has also filed something with the league, which we have not heard a word about. And so people are wondering okay, what is this all about and where is this all going? Okay, so let's rewind here for a minute. The Cardinals have admitted that there was a burner phone scheme in place. In 2018, after the team suspended Steve Keim five weeks for DUI, there's a lot of people who covered the team from uh, Mike Jarecki, who yesterday c- confirmed that yes, I have I've confirmed this. This did not fact happen. I remember Steve Kime being very wink wink open with people at the time, kind of like yeah, yeah, I'm still running things. He, he kind of had that vibe, and and, and he kind of expressed that to a few of us. And an untouchable vibe too. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, exactly. Kinda and like
1: so, Manny Machado in the box. Well. <laughs> Yes. And like, so, the,
2: so the question becomes now would this be something the NFL would be interested in punishing because is this actually cheating? I don't know where to go with this because when Michael Bidwill levied this, these the this penalty on Steve Kime it, it, it was team it was a team sanctioned penalty it didn't come down from the league. I don't know if there's a difference i don 't know Good if point. the Arizona Cardinals penalizing voluntarily Steve Keim in ways that are, were more stricter for anybody who had who had had a DUI at that point in time i don 't know whether the league is going to go okay, you did not honor the terms of our suspension because i don 't even know if they 're the nfl 's terms
1: yeah that's so, true
2: okay so i don 't know if uh, Roger Goodell might go cheating we didn't. we didn 't penalize them but there 's n- no cheating going on here my view Which is point a bigger this, question
1: regardless of the transgression, regardless of what The suspension was, regardless of where it came from, I would venture a guess, and maybe this is just me being cynical. That one hundred percent of the time, the suspended executive has communication with his front office.
2: I I would say hundred
1: percent of the time. Yeah, I would say there's that. It'd be Pollyanna to think otherwise right how are they going to monitor it and how did that work and, well, okay they had a burner phone in yeah. place and they were communicating <laughs> what did that lead to three wins how'd that work out exactly <laughs>
2: exactly now so but but what gets me what stops me here is that the team and michael bidwell has said that oh no i didn't instigate this burner phone ploy i stopped it yes. i found out about it and i stopped it mm-hmm. where the where that logic just completely falls apart is why wasn't steve Kime... on the spot once Michael Bidwell found that that a GM he suspended – was using a burner phone scheme mm-hmm. that's where that that's where that that reaction and that response falls completely apart in my opinion
4: not to mention McDonough claims in his grievance he still has the phone mm-hmm. in Bidwell's response or the external response from the Arizona Cardinals, says uh, Mr. Bidwell retrieved the phone and stopped communications immediately McDonough claims he still has the phone mm-hmm. and has proof of this cheating uh, it- in addition to claiming that he was then demoted for pushing back against mm-hmm. this scheme to circumvent Steve Kim's suspension,
2: uh, there, are, uh, he, th- there are also claims that that he has tape-recorded conversations with Steve Kime to prove this point. So the question all becomes where, a- and again, it, it must be said that the that the Cardinals have have sort of reacted to these rela- uh, to these allegations exactly the way Robert Sarver did with the Suns, with an outside firm representing him, calling all of these accusations completely baseless then there are bigger questions here it's workplace toxicity after this all dropped yesterday a shocking number of ex-cardinals and ex-players and ex-employees seem to be chiming in on social media
1: yes um there that that is out there but i'm wondering too the difference and people will kind of lump this together with what happened with the Suns and you know, that started with a, a very researched and detailed documentation of of what went on from Baxter Holmes of ESPN. This is one man's claim, and one man in Terry McDonough, and I'm not saying what's right or what's wrong, how do we know at this point? We don't. But one man making claims against Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals kind of on behalf of others. I'm very curious to see what the reaction of. You know, the the aggrieved employees that Mm -hmm. that Terry McDonough mentions in this complaint, uh, if they step forward, if we get more details from those people, because, you know, he he had the story of of two pregnant women that were treated, treated poorly. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But do we hear from those now former employees? Uh, in support of Terry McDonough, and what does that if if that happens, what does it lead to for the Cardinals? It can't be, it can't be a good situation for them.
2: No, and so I, I had somebody from Seattle reach out to me yesterday, asked me that Do you think Roger Goodell could dock the Cardinals their number three draft pick because the Seahawks really could use a quarterback and we could really use that pick? This huh. is the way. This is the way other people are thinking about this whole thing here. Calm I, down, Seattle. Keep, you got number five. Yeah. <laughs> keep, well, keep in mind here too. It's it, Roger Goodell has shown very very little appetite to. To really police any of his owners Danny Snyder right. is still uh... it, and Danny Snyder, yeah. but you can say this with Danny Snyder selling the commanders it's unanimous that the Arizona Cardinals are the most troubled team in the NFL currently mm-hmm. at the moment. That is a designation that nobody can deny. The focus shifts from the Commanders to the Cardinals, certainly.
1: Yeah, it just piles on. We'll have more on this in the 7 o'clock hour as well. You can win lower-level tickets to tomorrow's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Once again, that's BASEBALL to 620-620. Suns get a win over their Spurs. They're six straight. I'll give you my viewpoint. Vinny's View is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.